What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver, and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RidesharRodeo.com, with Para.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. Well, all right, all right, all right. Um, this week we're gonna keep it a little short. Uh, I was supposed to be have a guest, but um, it was canceled, and uh, yeah, I'm just kind of putting something together. Um, next week I'll have a few weeks uh, kind of laid out a little more. If next week we don't have the guest, it'll be the week after, and next week will would then be a live session. I haven't done one in a while. Um, so we will, um, I'll keep you all aware on social media and through uberliftdrivers.com. Um, a few things I want to talk about this week though. Uh, California, um, news last week and this week, uh, you can find this stuff up on uberliftdrivers.com, uh, as well as probably anywhere you Google it. But California is again, making their electric car mandate for Uber and Lyft. Uh, it has a it has a date set for 2030, and um, I think we all know that you know when Uber sets dates like that, or I mean, this is would be a state mandate. Um, uh, you know, that's what is that? That's buying that's buying Uber and Lyft um, and Bolt and Ola and any other rideshare companies that may come to California or other states. That's buying them nine years with their 5,000 lawyers each to figure out how to get around these loopholes. Also, will the people be doing it? Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to see all this cause I, I don't know, things like that never made sense to me. It's the same as the autonomous junk that comes out that says, you know, autonomous by 2019, autonomous by 2020, by 2021, by 2025, by 2030, vertical takeoff and landings, by 2020, by 2025. We all know these are just to bring in investors and that there's really no chance of hitting these dates. I mean, regulations. Um, I was going to get a little bit into um, autonomous tonight, but I didn't want to because uh, we're going to be talking about it with the guest that I have lined up. So, um, But there are some articles that are a little bit different than your normal normal articles we have up on Uber Lyft drivers about autonomous. The last week or so, some information has been coming out on studies that have done been done about uh, a few things. So, first of all, we have, um, you know, the pollution rate for autonomous vehicles. It's actually much worse than we had thought, and it's much worse than probably any of you had thought. So, you might want to check into that and see where all that is because it's pretty crazy that. Um, that autonomous vehicles are very, very not uh, pollution-free. 
<laughs> you know, I don't know how else to put it. And, you know, they're very expensive, too. Um, the LiDAR is a joke, uh, you know, and I don't like to side with Elon Musk on, on things like this, but, you know, he's right. He, you know, if you go into what they do over at Tesla, they, you know, he, he won't even use the LiDAR because, you know, he, he says it's, it's, you know, it doesn't do the job it needs to do, which is correct. I mean, it doesn't. And that's why, you know, we've had people die on the streets and autonomous cars hit them. Well, I know that Tesla is not a good, a great uh, example right now either because we also have people who are not in fully autonomous cars at all, Teslas in fact, who own the Teslas um, riding in you know riding in the back seat and getting in accidents, killing people, causing accidents. You can check on UberLiftDrivers.com for some of these stories, or you can go to Google and search it, and you will find that um, you know if you do like uh, Tesla autonomous or Tesla self-driving accidents or deaths or whatever you want to say, um, you're going to see a bunch of stories come up. And people aren't just into autonomous mode. It's pretty crazy. They're actually like a lot of these stories are the drivers in the back seat watching a movie on an iPad and the car crashes. People, these are not, I mean, they're even told you they're not fully autonomous vehicles. You can't be on the, on the road and just kind of jump in the back and watch this, you know, and I don't know how there's not some kind of weight distribution thing that knows your weight in a Tesla. And if you move from the driver's seat that it doesn't say, no, you know, shut the car off and pull over. Um, but regardless, uh, it'll be, you know, I've, we've seen these stories about the electric car mandate in California, and I'm sure they'll come out in other states as well. But we've seen these pop up quite a few times. But right now they're really everywhere, and I you know, I'm sure it's just a California thing right now, but I'm sure we're going to start seeing this everywhere. Uh, so, you know, where is it? I don't know. We None of us know. Um, you know, can we get even the population of non-rideshare down to electric vehicles? You know, this is going to be a big test. And I know fossil fuels and all that are another, are another you know, hinge in this issue. But to be honest... Really, by 2030, are we there? Because we know now that fully autonomous has been just a joke and, you know, the dates have just been thrown out. But, you know, we won't be fully autonomous until, for most of the good articles I've read, that that really have scientific examples until about 2050. Fully autonomous. I mean, that's that's a long way off, people. You know, it's 29 years. So another thing we have to tap into this week is the... Um, you know, we see, we see that ride, ridership is coming back very strong. Okay. We know that drivers are not coming back as strong and I'm going to play a little audio clip, um, later kind of near the end of the show. That's only about four or five minutes, uh, that talks about, um, when we think right, or when this, this person thinks that, uh, when when drivers will come back and the poll they took and and what they found and I agree with most of it that it'll be post PUA. However, I do think that Uber and Lyft need to quickly in the next month or two really start hammering down a pay or uh you know how to pay drivers better now that they've dumped off all the junk micro mobility. You know, VTOLs, uh, autonomous, this, that, the other. All the things that brought in investors before they were public. 
but we all know that they're not players in these games. Um, now that they've dropped all that and they are just rideshare, if you want to call it SAAS, you know, just kind of service as a secondary middleman, providing links, connecting people to rides. Um, regardless, uh, drivers are not back. Passengers are in droves. So passenger wait times and um, fees are way up. And drivers are getting surge fees, sure, but they're not getting a proportional amount of what Uber's taking in. I mean, Uber has, you know, they're not getting as many rides, even though riders are there. However, they're making up for it by charging people outrageous amounts of money. Um, but that said, we're going to move into another piece on, on that portion in a second. Um, again, this week isn't going to be that long. I just want to hit on a few things. But um, drivers are being attacked in bigger numbers than we've ever seen right now. Uh, this is something I've always hit on because I think that passengers being attacked always, you know, gets the, always gets, you know, brought up and talked about for weeks and months and months. But if you go to Uber Lyft drivers and you do, um, drivers killed, stabbed or shot, and you search that on our website, um, you'll find a lot of just the most horrific stories, uh, that you've ever heard happen to the drivers and really those get buried in the in, in this in the news because it doesn't make for good news people don't want to hear that um they do want to you know they want to hear about the passengers being killed but they don't want to hear about drivers and our and our problems that we face um when we're working so i do want to play a piece um locally here from denver that happened to a rideshare driver and uh well, I'll come back on the other side, and, and uh, it's just a quick little piece, but it's from a dash cam, and uh, what happened to this driver. But yeah, rideshare drivers are being killed, uh, carjacked, um, pistol whipped, spit on, um, passengers demasking, all kinds of things. So let's let's give a listen to what happened in Denver. Uber drivers out of work the next few days after a passenger took off her mask inside the car, started coughing, and then claimed she had COVID-19. How this all unfolded. For more than a year, this Uber driver has picked up and dropped off hundreds of passengers. But on Tuesday morning, a drive from Denver to Aurora <coughs> escalated after a passenger took off her mask inside the car. I noticed that she was consistently coughing. The Uber driver did not want to be identified and says he felt uneasy. You know, in this day and age, you should probably have a mask, especially since it's the law and you're sick. She says she's not sick, but things escalate. Do you have COVID? Yep, sure do. The passenger responds with, yep, sure do. You said you did. Is that the truth? Please, that's my life. You don't get me where I'm going? Really? Get out. And at the end of the ride, when she got out, yeah. she said, you've got COVID. The nearly eight-mile ride cost just $8.28, but much more was at risk. I was angry that someone would be so callous and cavalier with my life. The driver filed a complaint, and Uber emailed him that they would take appropriate action. We reached out to Uber. Company policy mandates masks during rides. They also say drivers can cancel trips if they don't feel comfortable. In a statement from Uber, 
It says passengers who repeatedly violate the mask policy risk losing their access to Uber. Her lack of caring for another person is costing me my livelihood, as well as potentially getting sick and or possibly worse. Get out of my car. His advice to drivers, stay vigilant. And for passengers... Make sure you're wearing your mask before you get in the car. Uh, make sure you use hand sanitizer. Addy Guajardo, Denver 7. Wow. I mean, where to start on that one? My God. If, you know, if you have COVID and um, you're coughing and uh, you call for an Uber. First of all, if you have COVID, uh, you know, it's, I, I understand you might need to get somewhere, but, uh, you know, you, you need to wear a mask, number one. But number two, don't take an Uber. Don't, you're, you're not supposed to even be out. You're supposed to self-quarantine. Um, and I know that, you know, uh, Uber says one thing that really bothered me in that was how Uber's response. And I think we're all used to this was, you know, passengers who repeatedly violate the no mask terms risk having their account deactivated. Are you kidding me? Uber, you'll deactivate a driver. If they, if one passenger says that the driver took his mask off, said he, you know, and was coughing, not even said he had COVID, but just if it took his mask off to breathe for a second, coughed, and they called in just to get a free ride, you'd deactivate that driver without even talking to him. And now I understand we all do where this comes from. You want to make money. But bottom line is you would do that, Uber. And, you know, if passengers are taking off their masks as much as you don't want to do it, you need to deactivate these people on a first time. I mean, I understand independent contractors, this is up to us, whatnot, but one thing we do expect is that you have the back of health for that Uber driver or any other Uber drivers who might face that same woman. I mean, if she wasn't deactivated after that ride, what do you think she did? We all know what she did. She got kicked out of the car halfway where she was going. So, of course, what did she do? She opened up the app again and, and called for a new car and probably got one. So there's two drivers, you know, and then maybe getting home that day or whatever. Who, who knows how many she's exposed? So, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is, this is just, I guess, what we expect is that people will take care of other people. But this is, this is just out, outrageous, ridiculous. Um. But that said, I mean, Pat, drivers are being killed in record numbers. Um, it's really sad. Uh, I know that we're facing a lot of that kind of thing right now coming out of this pandemic. But, it, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, people. And we got to start getting a handle on, you know, bringing those numbers down. Rapes. And I'm not talking about in, in rideshare. Just in cities, rapes are up. Um, you know, shootings are up. I mean, every crime's up. You know, we've we uh, many cities have defunded the police to the point where, you know, they can't pull you over. So I mean, it's the balance has to be found. We cannot go too far one way or the other. If we do, we risk everything that this country is about or supposed to be about being gone. And I'm not trying to lean right, left, center. Extreme right, extreme left, nothing. I'm just saying, you know, we have to start keeping in mind that, um, you know, we we have to 
we have to work as a community. And uh, part of that is taking self-responsibility to not get into a rideshare vehicle when you know you have COVID. Enough said on that, right? Um, So last week I talked about the PRO Act, and I won't get into the details of the PRO Act tonight, but one thing I didn't have time for because I was running over um, was that I wanted to talk about two things. uh, Wait, is this the right... Yes, okay. So there's a few things going on right now um, in regards to the PRO Act. Um, One problem that I didn't get to hit on hard enough last week was the the problem of the PRO Act and the Biden administration. Um, So we all know that President Biden's administration has now made a deal with Uber and Lyft to get you to vaccine sites. And we talked about that last week on the podcast for free. This is going to cause major, major issues with the PRO Act. Now, most likely, we all know, there was about a month and a half ago, I don't know, it was more of a coin flip. But at this point, it looks like, you know, the PRO Act will not go through. Um, But I'll tell you, a month and a half ago, for those of you who just listened to us or other people and were just hearing the news, I'll tell you, for those of us who who seek out this news and find all of it, um, it was looking a lot more bleak than people thought. And it's still not out of the woods. Could become true, which would end, you know, it affects 59 million uh, workers in this country, which is one third of the um, workforce in, in the United States. So the pro- one of the biggest problems, though, that the Biden administration now faces is that they have teamed up with Uber and Lyft to help get people vaccinated for free and other things that they've teamed up with them on as well. Um, this is going to make bad bedfellows when it comes to court time, and um, it's going to really under undermine the approach of telling these free market companies how they must operate and treat their workers on the platforms created as they were designed um, 10 years into this rideshare game that will affect all gig workers, though. So, I mean, when I say 59 million, that's not rideshare and food delivery and on-demand app-based platforms. That's everybody. And these decisions will affect everybody. Um, in fact, one of the um, stories that I've been watching this, you know, I've been following, but also this week, is that uh, the New York state legislators and labor leaders uh, are nearing a deal um, in New York about allowing uh, the tech giants to classify their workers or their workforce, however you want to say it, as independent contractors rather than employees and would prohibit newly unionized workers from any picketing, strikes, slowdowns, or boycotts. And that's according to the language of the state bill that was leaked last week. Um, But, you know, the the way it's going is that... um, this is going to happen. So, you know, it's kind of the opposite of California. New York's always had their little own, you know, their own way of doing things, East Coast, West Coast. But, uh, you know, there was a big push on that. 
And we saw the the minimum wage thing for Uber Lyft drivers really not work out in New, in New York City. Um, you know, and it ended up being more of just a floor payment. Um, and now, though, we are looking at of the fact of just kind of New York just kind of ending this and letting them be independent contractors. And that'll be the first state to do it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll follow that because I mean, this, you can Google this. This isn't just, you know, it's in Bloomberg, it's in NPR, it's in CNN. Um, and it's in a bunch of independent, uh, news outlets as well. But I was pointing out those, the, the name brand media outlets, um, because a lot of people sometimes like to hear that they're at least the stories showing up in there as well. So as I said in the beginning of the podcast, I, I have one other audio clip. It's only about four or five minutes, um, that I want to play that talks about, um, one person's view on how long, um, the Uber Lyft driver drought will last again, now that we're seeing, passengers back in droves and droves and droves, which we've talked about here on the podcast, but now they're really back. I mean, they're back in full force. And what is Uber and Lyft doing? We already know what they're doing. They're charging extremely high rates, um, three to four times what people would normally pay for an airport to their house. And is that all getting to the drivers? No. So do our drivers lining up to get back into uh, the game right now? No. This person points out specifically the PUA, um, when it ends in September, that will be the point when rideshare drivers come back. I happen to think that in the next couple months, truly, a lot of, um, a lot of re, redoing the, the driver pay system needs to be worked out. And I'm, and I'm not talking about it needs to go so overboard and it might have to be a market to market thing. Um, but it does need to be reevaluated and taken back in time a little bit. Now that Uber is a rideshare or an SAAS at best, a service, you know, just, you know, providing uh, riders or drivers with riders and matching them up, um, kind of a middleman type thing. Um, but they, they can no longer say they're a technology company. VTOL's been sold off, micro-mobility's done. Um, all these departments that were doing things, autonomous is gone. Um, you know, they're all, like Uber is, 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 if they're not out of it fully, they're 90% out of it, and they're stepping their last foot out the door and just sweeping up the mess. They never really were a big fighter in this game. I mean, we got companies like Pony AI, who I talked about a long time ago because I was very impressed with the, the, the little company that they are. And I said one day they're going to be big. They're going to be in California testing autonomous. Um, we got Waymo. We got, you know, all, all the real players are there. So Uber and Lyft were never, ever real players. Um, I know even Lyft didn't, you know, Lyft, uh, what it was at level five and, um, they had teamed up with, a with, um, I'm trying to blank on the name, but they, they had teamed up with somebody that they were going to, you know, work with that car company in Vegas. That company was already leaps and bounds. They were the autonomous department of Lyft. I mean, it wasn't like Lyft was bringing anything to the table. So, um, but passengers are back. Fares are, you know, 125% to 400% 
normal, um, you know, like surging's going crazy. Uh, and drivers, no, they're not seeing a big portion of that. And these are the drivers who have worked through the pandemic. That said, um, I'm going to play this audio, and then I have one last piece I want to hit on um, that happened in Chicago and kind of ties in with all this, and then we'll call it a wrap for the week. But um, I want to play this piece for you first. The Uber and Lyft driver shortage actually going to last? Is this going to be something that could be solved very quickly, or is it going to take something in order to get more drivers on the road? So the other day I did put out a poll on the community tab asking how long you think that it was going to last. And we're going to go over that right now. And also, just to put this out there, this is pure speculation. We don't really know how long this driver shortage actually is going to last, but there could be some key points when drivers will come back on the road if they do at all. So now let's go to the poll and see exactly what your thoughts are and when you think that this driver shortage actually will end. So going to the poll, it says, how long do you think Uber and Lyft driver shortage will last? Now, most people who responded to this poll think that it's going to end once pandemic unemployment assistance ends. And I have to agree with that. If I answered this poll, that would be my option as well too. Although it could take a little bit longer because I think that a lot of drivers who were driving for Uber and Lyft have gone on to other ventures, whether that's a different job, whether that's a different part of the gig economy, like food delivery or package courier or anything like that, then I think it's going to be harder for people to come back to the platform because maybe they don't like it anymore. Maybe they don't want to deal with people, the problems and the issues that come with being an Uber or Lyft driver. They might have that out of their rearview mirror. Now, also, Going on, they say some people think it's going to end through the summer. Other people say through the rest of the year. But 24% say they don't care anymore because they're done with them. They're not going to be doing it any longer. And that could be a big reason why this driver shortage is happening in the first place. 25% is quite a bit. Now, I know a lot of people are on unemployment and not worrying about going out taking rides or they fear that they're going to get sick or anything like that. They don't want to pass it around. Whatever it might be, they're not back on the road for that particular reason. Not only that, you're getting $300 plus 50% of the state average every single week. What Uber and Lyft are offering is nothing comparative. Oh, you can do three rides and get an extra $100? Well, that's not really a lot. And then going on where it says the comments, a couple of people were saying once rates actually go up. But either way, you're probably going to see this driver shortage go through however long pandemic unemployment assistance is going to last. Right now, it's through September. And if they extend it further, then this driver shortage will last longer. But if the PUA ends at that time frame, you're probably going to see more drivers coming on the road in the fall time. Now, Uber and Lyft might be scrambling at this point to try to bring on drivers or new drivers but what about the drivers that are on the road since the whole time? They're not really doing anything there except for maybe offering surge because it's busier. Now, that is true, but the problem is they're not getting anything extra. They've been driving either the whole time or even a good chunk of the time during this whole pandemic, but yet Uber and Lyft aren't recognizing that or aren't giving them anything extra. They're making it seem like they're doing more for them, even though they're not. It's just supply and demand. That's what comes down to surge in these power zones. Now, I'm always a proponent of saying that the mileage rate and the time rate should actually be higher. 
Reason is because it's only slightly over the IRS deductible. So if you actually average out all of your expenses, all of your ratios, all of that good stuff, you're probably not making as much as you think you are. And also you're really trading the depreciation of your car into cash on hand. Now you could have some strategies out there that are actually giving you a little bit more money. And because there's less drivers on the road and a higher demand for rides, probably making some pretty good money, especially if you're driving Uber and seeing a lot of surge in your particular market. Now, all good things will come to an end, including this driver shortage, because all the drivers out there right now are, are making more money, but it should come down to higher pay rates nonetheless, because gas is going up. That's a big expense when it comes to Uber and Lyft driving, because you're driving people all over the place. So as gas goes up, Rates should be going up, not staying the same or even decreasing in some markets like they are. But we'll fast forward in a few months time and see, will that be the big turnaround point when the PUA ends or not? Or will Uber and Lyft try to employ some other tactic to try to bring drivers back on the road or keep current drivers happy because that might anger a lot of drivers out there and they might just be part of the other 24% that said they're done with Uber or Lyft. So a lot of the same feelings coming from him that uh, that I feel myself when I'm, you know, talking about this. And uh, I think uh, we we agree that, um, you know, we're going to we're basically just going to have to wait and see. But I do think that Uber has to come up with a new plan uh, to keep drivers on hand. I mean, and to bring them back. I mean, it's it, they don't want to wait till September and then say people will be back after PUA because Nobody really knows. And the gig economy keeps growing, growing, growing. There's a lot of options out there. Rideshare doesn't need to be the one they take. So the last piece I want to address tonight is Chicago, Chi-Town, the Windy City. Um, Tomorrow, um, the city council will be meeting. And Brendan Riley um, of the 42nd, is planning to introduce an ordinance requiring companies licensed as quote-unquote transportation network providers to charge no more than 150% of their current regular fare, even during snowstorms and other periods of high demand. So, okay. So basically, they are, in Chicago, they are pushing for what taking away the ability for Uber and Lyft to determine surge rates and that they can only charge 150% of their normal rates um, even during the worst of surges. Now, to me, it's like, you know, uh, if you go back and listen to the Rideshare Manifesto episode... Uh, that I did. Um, this, this, it was in January of the podcast. Uh, this is kind of you know what I went after was let's just do a straight percentage to the drivers. That way Uber knows what they need to make. Um, but without getting too far into what I had talked about, um, w- we've seen a lot of states go after you know hey how they can price and whatnot, but we're in the United States and it's a free market. So are they pushing a a different limit here by saying that, you know, 
you can only charge 150% of your rate. I mean, you would think that one thing they could do is just raise all their rates um, on weekends, like have a weekday rate and a weekend rate and find some new rates without having to across the board raise the rates or even like, you know, from 10, 8, from 10 p.m. on Friday and Saturday to uh, to 4 a.m. or 6 a.m. on the following morning, uh, these are our rates. So basically, you know, so just so many different rate cards for passengers that they are using their normal rates and that 150 would still come out to the same amount of surge-ish. So that I feel like they're asking for a, a just a nightmare of problems here. And I agree that this problem needs to get solved, not only in terms of how much these companies can charge, but also these companies need to take it upon themselves how much they pay the drivers, since no longer are they technology companies. Um, all of the technologies, as I just said previously, uh, or a little bit ago, have all been, you know, liquidated out of these companies. They're no longer a part of them. Um, and if they are, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just being swept up. I mean, it's, it's, it's being cleaned up. Like I said, 90% of it's gone. It's been sold. They're just kind of cleaning up the, you know, the, the mess. And now they're, they're realizing they're rideshare companies. So they're going to have to adopt their ma- model of rideshare to whatever states, um, like with California AB5 and the Prop 22 argument and the PRO Act and, you know, you know what, no matter where you stand on all that, these companies are going to have to adapt to that. And with that's going to have to come better pay for drivers. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, we've seen Mayor uh, Lightfoot in Chicago try and do congestion fees and stuff in the past in Chicago. These all fell hard. I, you know, even if this passes, I don't, you know, what are you going to do? Audit Uber and their pricing model and, you know, how much they charge people? Or is this the kick that maybe makes Uber and Lyft finally raise their rates? Um, I think we're already in the midst of seeing that being played out. And there are definitely departments within Uber and Lyft and other rideshare companies very much looking daily at how to raise rates on a normal basis outside of the surge. So I'm going to leave you to think on that one. We will have some update on it next week. And uh, that's it for this week, guys. Uh, Go out, um, do a good deed, do something fun. Um, if you have COVID, don't go, don't summon an Uber, uh, to take you somewhere and, uh, and take your mask off and cough on your driver. Don't, uh, pistol whip your driver. Do not hijack your driver's car, carjackings. Do not, uh, kill your driver. Do not beat your driver, but instead tip your driver and treat them well. That's all for this week. See you back here next week on the rodeo. Peace.